It's episode 18 of The Build. If you're here, thanks for joining. Appreciate you uh, checking back in. I was gone last week. Was it just one week or maybe it was two weeks? Feels like forever since I've done one of these. Um, but I have been gone. Last week, I my, my throat just didn't sound great. And this is a this is an audio medium, so that's like one of the worst things that I could subject you guys to is my voice sounding worse than it already does. So didn't do that. Um, but expect that to happen throughout the summer. Um, you know, after, you know, after the first couple of days, couple of weeks of free agency, um, things are definitely going to quiet down a bit. Um, there's just not a whole lot happening on the day to day in the NHL. So I'll probably step aside. We'll have some guests on. I'll have some folks on that I, um, you know, that I know from Habs Twitter or, you know, other, other content creators for the Montreal Canadiens. So, Look for that sort of thing headed into the summer, um, but that's later on. What we have in front of us now is that the draft is literally this week. I'm recording this on Tuesday. Um, yesterday was the 4th of July, so I spent some time with my family. But the draft is this week. Oddly, on a Thursday, I still don't understand exactly why they did that, um, but it's on a Thursday. the first round is on a Thursday. The following rounds are the next day. Um, so... You know, the Canadians have a lot of irons on the fire, so I want to get into that right away. This isn't, there's not going to be too, too much new information in this, um, just because a lot of it becomes uh, instantly irrelevant by the time I stop recording this, um, or, you know, by the time you're listening to this, maybe Wednesday or Thursday morning. So, um, you know, the, the, the main thing I want to talk about is Friedman's, um, Elliot Friedman's first point in 32 Thoughts this week. Um, he touched on every team in the NHL. But the first point had was was all about Montreal, and I think that it's a perfect outline for you know going through my thoughts headed into a very very important week for the re, rebuild retool reset for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, they need to have a good week. It's it's very uh, it's very important for them to do so. So um, I'll link to the thirty two thoughts article down below if you want to take a look at that. But here's. Uh, the main point, and I'll interject every once in a while to to give my thoughts on it, but here's the exact words from Freeman. He starts by saying, The Canadians are doing an excellent job shielding their thoughts on who will go first overall. I've heard Shane Wright. I've heard Uri Slefkovsky. Someone even said, Few know Logan Cooley better than Montreal management. It's their job to keep everyone guessing, and so far, the Canadians are doing just that. An interesting point to this, I know Dr. It's Dr. Doug Boston, He's a Habs fan on Twitter. He he said this, and I definitely agree with him, and maybe we're both wrong about it, but I think if the Canadians are telling you we don't know who we're picking, they're lying to you. I, I think the Canadians have a pretty, pretty, pretty good idea of who they're selecting at this point, right? Like, it would kind of be impossible for them not to. I'm sure that they are listening to arguments for certain players, but I feel like at this point, if you don't know who you're picking... Um, I feel like you're going into the draft ill-equipped because if, if, you know, you're picking at one, it's a, it's this year, it's a, it's an exceptionally tougher pick just because I think that there's no runaway favorite. Although Shane Wright was the consensus favorite for a very, very long time up until recently when he stopped playing and Uri Slavkowski kept playing and all of a sudden Slavkowski's stock grew. I'm not going to get into that because I think that's been talked to death, um, but I think that the Canadians know who they're going to pick, and I think it does them no good to tell everybody who they're going to pick. That's that's just where my my head is at. Um, 
it's very possible that they leak the pick ahead of time just because the draft is in Montreal. Let's say they do pick Slepkovsky. It probably makes sense for them to leak that pick. I know Jared Book of, of Habs Eyes on the Prize had mentioned this as a as you know just a thinking out loud um, thing. But it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it would make sense for the Canadians to leak that pick if it was Slepkovsky because the entire stadium is going to be expecting them to pick Shane Wright and then they go off the board. People are afraid they're going to boo. Um, I don't think it's going to get that bad if they go with Slavkovsky. Although, again, I don't, I don't anticipate them picking Uri Slavkovsky. I, I do, I do genuinely believe they're going to pick Shane Wright. The, the concept of having Wright and Suzuki down the middle for the next decade plus is too tantalizing to give up. Um, so I, Kent Hughes is doing the right thing by saying he doesn't know who they're going to pick because it serves them no good to tell New Jersey who they're going to pick. Um, especially if Montreal is trying to get that second overall pick. It doesn't help them. There are some rumors that they're trying. I I just don't see how they make that happen without some, like, seriously, you know, massive trade, like something we haven't seen in in a very long time. Um, and then, you know, I'll go back into Freeman's thoughts here because I think it's important to talk about moving into that pick. Um, Freeman says, quote, with one exception, there is an overriding feeling, as initially reported by the Ottawa Suns' Bruce Garriock, they, the Montreal Canadiens, are trying to get a second high pick. Probably a pipe dream, but could you imagine a Bell Center with the Canadians picking one and two? That would sure put the whole Slavkovsky versus Wright thing to bed, wouldn't it? If Montreal was able to get the second overall pick from New Jersey in some in some fashion. Um, I, I personally think that that's really, really tough to do. Um, especially considering the Canadians don't have a lot of... Uh, they don't have a lot in the way of like players that would be able to help New Jersey like they're not New Jersey isn't giving Montreal the second overall pick for Josh Anderson and Jeff Petrie and a dream like it's going to take some serious movement um in order to get that pick from New Jersey I know New Jersey wants help right now because they feel like they should be better off um they've already got Nico Hischier and um Jack Hughes down the middle there's not really a need for a center should Shane Wright fall to them um so while I do think that number two pick is in play, I think New Jersey might move that to move back or move it for help now. I don't think it's really in play for Montreal. I, I just I, I don't see the Canadians having the capital to pull that off. Um, that said, I do think that the Canadians are going to try to move into the top 10, and I, I, I'd be willing to bet they're successful in doing so. Um, it's not a particularly strong draft. We've all heard that. Um, but at the same time, I think Montreal recognizes that this is an opportunity for them to kickstart that, that re whatever this is. Um, so, you know, I think there's a chance that they want one of the defensemen in, in Simon Nemitz or David Yerchek. I think those are both kind of pipe dreams to get at because I don't think either of them makes it to the sixth pick. I think that they're the top two defensemen in this draft. They'll be gone pretty quick. Um, but you know, maybe maybe one of them slides and Montreal pulls off a trade to go into seventh or something like that. Um, anything, you know, the draft is sort of, it's madness. You know, there's all sorts of things that will unfold on the draft floor that haven't really unfolded yet. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I do think Montreal is really going to take a run at adding another, another really, really high pick. Maybe they use that 26th pick and package it with something else to move up. Uh, I've, I've got some other options in here um, later on, but... Um, moving on, 
Friedman says, other than that, while waiting for clarity on Carey Price's future, the Canadians will continue to test the market on some of their veterans, Christian Dvorak, Jeff Petrie, and possibly Josh Anderson. There are teams who believe they don't want to move Jake Allen. The Canadians wish to be more competitive, so they're not going to strip it bare. I'd be very curious to see what it would take to get Anderson. So let's go through all these players. Petrie, I'll start with him. Um, I think he's gone. I think it's generally, you know, they're, they're just waiting for... It's an if, it's a it's a when, not an if at this point. Um, and I do think it's more likely to happen once free agency opens for a variety of reasons. Um, and I'll get to one of them later on. But the first one I want to hit on is that he has a $3 million signing bonus that's paid out at some point. Typically, this is a lot easier because it's paid out on July 1st because July 1st is the opening of free agency. That wasn't the case this year. So I don't know if it was already paid out on July 1st or if it's paid out when free agency opens. I think I think it's the latter. So if that's the case, you know, the the team acquiring Jeff Petrie going into the season, they don't have to pay him all of that 6.25 million dollars salary for this season. Montreal would pay his his 3 million dollar signing bonus and then it would be like 3.25 for the rest of the season. So for a team that might be cap cash strapped but not so much, you know, against the salary cap, it might be, you know, more advantageous for them to do that this season. Um Obviously, after this season, that goes back to normal because they'd be paying his signing bonus the following year. I believe he has one more signing bonus year in that deal. So there's a real chance that we see Jeff Petrie moved, not at the draft, but at when free agency opens. Dvorak is an interesting name just because I don't think we completely got the full picture of Christian Dvorak in Montreal. I know, you know, when he was acquired... He, you know, it was impossible to bill him as anything other than the Jesperi Kotkaniemi replacement. Um, Montreal let Kotkaniemi go. They acquired a first round pick. They then, Mark Bergman then dealt it to Arizona to get Christian Dvorak. But that said, like, you know, there's, I, I think that. It's likely he's on the roster next season, but there are some situations that make sense for a Christian Dvorak trade. Um, you know, there's another point in in 31 or 32 thoughts coming up that I think makes it more likely that he gets dealt. But I just think that you know they want they might want to take another look at him, maybe recoup some of that value later on. Um, but if you let's let's assume that you know Montreal's not trading any centers or acquiring any centers outside of the draft this year. They take right first overall. Suzuki, right, Dvorak down the middle. Or if you wanted to, you could even start right as as a third center. Or maybe he goes to he goes back to the OHL for a year and we don't even worry about that. But anyway, the NHL roster with right on it would have three really strong centers down the middle. And it, it would insulate right where he wouldn't have to be the guy. He won't have to be the guy anyway because Suzuki is here, but I would like to see another center separate right from Suzuki for at least a few years. Um, So, you know, that would be pretty good down the middle, and it gives the Canadians a reason to keep Christian Dvorak. However, you know, Elliot Friedman's saying that they're, how did he put it? He said that they are continuing to test the market on some of their veterans. I think they're just asking what's out there, um, seeing if anybody will meet their price. As we know with, with Kent Hughes, he has a price for his players. He will not move them for anything less than that. So they're in good hands there. Christian Dvorak isn't going to be traded for pennies on the dollar. I don't imagine that that happening. Um, the Canadians' refusal to trade Jake Allen is understandable. 
Um, the fact that they don't want to move him makes a lot of sense because last season their goaltending was, you know, of the pie chart of their problems, it was probably a good 45% of it, right? Like the goaltending was really, really rough last year. A lot of it due to injury. We didn't see Carey Price until the very end. Jake Allen was hurt a lot of last season. Sam Montembeau was playing through injury, um, you know, and then some of the younger guys like Caden Primo really struggled at the NHL level because I think he was just brought into an untenable situation and Michael McNiven wanted out. So, you know, you've got, you had a boatload of goaltenders there and you kind of just burned through all of them. Um, some with injuries, some with not. So it's, it makes sense that the Canadians would want to keep on, keep a hold on Jake Allen for now, but still I can't, I can't help but get the feeling that there's going to be a situation where the goaltending musical chairs game is going to play out over the summer and some team is going to be left without a goalie and they're going to need one. And not only need one, I think Edmonton, for example, I think they need two goalies because Miko Koskinen is, he just signed a deal in Europe. He's leaving the NHL. And Mike Smith, I believe they said it's likely he's not going to play this season. Um, so Edmonton needs two goalies. You know, I think Montreal could try to hold Edmonton hostage a little bit here. And, and, and you know, once free agency comes and goes, once we see where Flurry lands, where Jack Campbell lands, once we see where all of these guys end up, who's left without a goalie? And can you leverage that into turning Jake Allen into some serious assets down the road while also protecting your own goaltending situation, right? That's That's the challenge. You can't just move Jake Allen and not have a goalie. So, you know, that, that'll, we'll see how that plays out. I don't understand the goal, goaltending market ever. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I understand their reluctance to trade Jake Allen, but they also said they're not, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring this up forever because I think that it, it, it's a real trademark of Kent Hughes's style as a general manager and as a negotiator. In the public, he's, he said with Arturi Lakinen and with Brett Kulak, I don't want to trade this player. And then he traded that player because he got something he wanted more than keeping that player. There's a price for just about everybody on this roster. You know, outside of, I think, Suzuki and Caulfield. There's a price for everybody else. It's just a matter of whether or not a team steps up and meets that price. Montreal would go find a a goaltender somewhere else if they needed to. Um, But... I think everybody has their price on this team. And speaking of that, Josh Anderson's mentioned here. And I think this this sort of reality check has been taking place for Canadians fans over the last few weeks. But it, I, I believe it bears repeating. Josh Anderson is not untouchable. And everyone needs to stop acting like he is. I love Josh Anderson. Love the way he plays. There's not a lot of guys in the league that are like him. He moves fast. He goes to the net. He's tough. He's a, he's a he's a great guy in that room. Everybody on the Canadians seems to really really like having him around. But if someone were to offer you a mid first round pick for him, you're probably moving Josh Anderson. Like that's that's what my price is on him. Not saying that's what Ken, Ken Hughes's price is on on Josh Anderson, but I think that like if someone walked up to me and I'll get to this later and offered me the thirteenth pick. I'd, I'd probably have a hard time saying no to that because maybe you can, you could change, you can move the 13th pick and you can move up to be inside the top 10. There are a lot of options here for Montreal with Josh Anderson. And I, I do, I, 
I seriously believe that the last two or three years of that contract are going to be very, very difficult because he's going to make the same amount of money. And I just think the way he plays, it's impossible for him to give 100% every single night he's out there. And Canadians fans know this, right? Like we watch Josh Anderson play. He has these games where he scores two goals and looks invincible. And then he'll go a week, a week and a half where we don't notice him. And when you're a body that big who can move that fast and we don't notice you, that's a problem. Again, Josh Anderson has a lot of value. Is he holding that value at the same level with this Canadians team that isn't going to be competitive for the next two or three years? He's 20, I think he's 27 now. He'll be 30 by the time the Canadians are like legitimately looking to make some noise in the playoffs. Is he the same player at 30 that he is now? It's a real tough sell. So that's why I think the Canadians are, are legitimately looking around and, and engaging offers on him. Again, I think I think Kent Hughes telling everybody, I don't want to move him, is him saying, I don't want to move him, but make me move him. Give me a deal that makes me move Josh Anderson. Um, I think some team, because he plays that that style of hockey, some team is going to overpay for him. The same way that someone paid overpaid for Ben Chirot. The same way that every every summer it seems like some team overtrades for some guy who has more intangibles than tangibles. Again, it's not a slight at Josh Anderson. I do think he's he has a lot of things that that are visibly great on the ice. They might not reflect so well in his analytics. I do think there's also some warts in his game, like the fact that, you know, that him on the top line doesn't work because Caulfield and Suzuki are a very good duo, and Josh Anderson plays a game that is very solo. He plays by himself a lot of the time. He just takes the puck in the neutral zone and and, and just skates in a straight line until he gets to the other the other team's net. You know, there's 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 good that comes from that. Obviously, you know he can he can go to the net on, on a line with two guys who are you know not as big as him, but. I don't think it makes a ton of sense here for us to sit around and pretend that Josh Anderson is this untouchable player and that he's an asset the Canadians cannot afford to lose. You can go, Josh Anderson was a third round draft pick, I think. You can go find another Josh Anderson. I promise. I promise you, you can. But for now, like, I think they have to legitimately consider moving him because I don't think his value is going to be any higher than it currently is. Um, and the last player that was mentioned there was Carey Price, and we still just don't know what's going on with him. Um, Kent Hughes joked the other day, I think it was Monday, he joked in a, in a presser that if they had news on him, it would command its own press conference. Like, if, if he had Carey Price news, he would, he would, you know, call the press into the Bell Center to talk about the Carey Price news, but there just isn't any. Um, he did confirm there was no second surgery done, it was just the one, um, what was it, platelet-rich plasma injection that he had into his knee. It stinks covering Carey Price right now because you have to, like, have a medical degree to do it. But, you know, as with as with Price over the last few years, I'm really just rooting for the guy's health. If he comes back and plays, that's great. If not, I hope that, you know, his life outside of hockey is comfortable and he's able to, you know, live a normal life as a dude, you know. Um so we might hear more about Carey Price. We might not. I know Kent Hughes wanted to, you know, was hoping to hear more, 
by the opening of free agency on July 13th. But if he doesn't, there's nothing he can do about it. We ha- He has to have contingency plans for if Carey Price can play, for if Carey Price, Carey Price can't play. Um, there needs to be other options there. And I think those will be built in. I don't think Ken Hughes is going into this um, with only one plan, and that plan being Carey Price. Um, the last note here on uh, in, in 32 Thoughts. Prior to the deadline, there were some conversations between the Senators and the Canadians on Colin White. We'll see how things unfold, but it's not impossible to see White beginning anew in Montreal. GM Kent Hughes was his agent. And that thought on its face was interesting enough. Um, and then on Tuesday, today, he was put on waivers at noon for purposes of a buyout. So, you know, Colin White, 25-year-old center, he's halfway through a six-year deal that pays him just shy of $5 million for three more years after this. Obviously, he's bought out of that. He's going to get paid whatever that buyout calculator is. Um, but... He doesn't come with that cap hit anymore. You know, I I think I remember talking about him at the trade deadline because Montreal was apparently interested and it didn't, it it just didn't make sense because that cap hit was so high for so much longer for a player who just wasn't, he wasn't hitting that standard. Now, if you're looking at this, you see a 25 year old center entering free agency and you might be able to get him on the cheap, like 2 million bucks, maybe less than that. I, 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 this is much more palatable now than it was at the trade deadline. Um, he had a 41 point season as a 22 year old, you know, so I think there, there, there's something there. Um, I, I think that, I think Ottawa didn't do a great job of, of insulating him at center. There weren't, there's not a lot of centers on that roster that I look at and go, oh, they'd be a good fit in, in Montreal or they'd be an NHL center elsewhere. I think that, you know, if he were to come into Montreal and potentially be a third-line center, which harkens back to that conversation we had about Christian Dvorak. So if, you bring in, if you're bringing in Colin White, if you know you're bringing in Colin White, you know, you can, you can, you can make Dvorak expendable uh, if you wanted to do that. It's a way that you can possibly save cap space while still having a third-line center to back up, um, you know, potentially Shane Wright. Um, potentially insulating Jake Evans as well, potentially insulating Ryan Paling if you want to have him make the jump to the NHL finally. It seems like it's been way too long that he just has not had the opportunity, hasn't been healthy, hasn't taken advantage of an opportunity. Um, So, you know, Colin White is an interesting name. I don't think it's going to break the bank for the Canadians. I think that, you know, his market value is probably pretty low right now. Um, So it's interesting to see that that's still running its course at the moment and that Kent Hughes has that connection as his agent. He might want to come and play for his, his former agent. Um, so that's, that's really it for, um, for the 32 thoughts, um, article this week. Um, it's, it's usually really good this week, obviously headed into the draft. It's very, very good. Um, outside of that, there was a, I think there was Really, one more thing I wanted to touch on, and then I'm going to make some bold predictions about what's going to happen the week of the draft. So the the last thing I really wanted to hit on was the McDonough trade. Um, McDonough was traded. Ryan McDonough, defenseman, was traded from Tampa to Nashville, um, essentially just as a cap maneuver for Tampa Bay. Um, they get Philip Myers back, who they're not going to buy out, even though if they did buy him out, they would get a cap credit this season. Like They'd be able to spend over the cap because of the buyout. 
they didn't do that. They're actually going to play Philip Myers, and then they got a player. Mishmash was his last name. I, everyone made all the puns about it. I Whatever. I think he, he's a prospect. He might play in the NHL. I have no idea. Um, and I've had I've seen some some thoughts that this this does not bode well for the Jeff Petrie trade market, and I couldn't help but wonder like where that came from. I know the thought behind that is defenseman gets traded. Uh oh, this means my defenseman is worth less now. I I don't think that that's what's happening here, and I'll explain why. Um, McDonough's younger, so I mean, some, I think that's where people went to immediately was, oh, he's younger and he only got this much? Well, then Jeff Petrie's not going to get that much. With that said, he's more expensive year over year by about a half a million bucks, um, and he he's under contract for one year longer. He's a few years younger than Petrie, but the cap hit is bigger, and the cap and the the, the contract goes on longer. Um, Nashville knew that that they were going to get Tampa for next. They were going to get McDonough from Tampa for next to nothing because of the situation that Tampa was in with their salary cap issue. They have spent to the cap every year over it for most of it, to be honest. They needed to move salary in order to keep guys like Palat and to sign guys like Sorelli and Sergachev long-term moving forward. Nashville took advantage of that. And I guess what Nick Kiprios had said on a, on a podcast was that the options for McDonough were, we're trading you to Nashville, or if you don't want to go to Nashville because he has a no-trade clause but not a no-movement clause, which again, hamstrings Tampa into moving McDonough to a team he wants to go to. But he doesn't have a no-movement clause, which means they could have put him on waivers, which is what their other option was. It was either you're going to Nashville or we're putting you on waivers and Columbus is going to claim you. So McDonough chose to go to Nashville. Sorry, Columbus. Um, So that's, you know, the player probably isn't super thrilled. The team isn't super thrilled they had to get rid of him. The only team that I think is happy in all of this is Nashville, who got a really good defenseman for next to nothing and they move a cap hit that they were probably thinking of buying out anyway um i don't i don't get the sense that that's the situation that montreal is in with jeff petrie because montreal doesn't have to move jeff petrie they have other pieces that they're planning on moving to clear cap space like ul armia like i i think josh anderson like christian dvorak there's guys that they can move to clear salary uh mike hoffman i've i already I just I wish I could forget Mike Hoffman. This whole experience has been bad for him, for us, for everybody. Um, but the Canadians are facilitating a trade request for Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie, you know, I think he, if, if I remember correctly, I, if I heard this correctly in, in Kent Hughes's conversation this week, I think they're expecting another kid. Um, and with that said, he mentions vaccination issues as something that Jeff Petrie is is taking into account. Not that Jeff Petrie is not vaccinated, but that his in-laws might not be vaccinated. And because of that, coming in and out of Canada could could cause severe issues for his family if they want to help him take care of this child or the children that he already has. Um, Jeff Petrie talked about how hard it is to to you know have have his family take care of his children while he's out on the road. I can't imagine it's easy. You know, it's not it's not something, you know, we we look at the life of professional athletes and think that you know, it's 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 just all perfect and uh you know, we'll just hire someone to take care of a kid. No, he's having his family do it. You know, it's 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 probably a little bit better for everyone involved if his family's taking care of him. Um 
But, you know, that that causes some issues for Jeff Petrie as far as, you know, maintain staying in the city of Montreal. So Ken Hughes has said it's not an issue with Montreal. It's not the team. It's just it needs to be done for his family moving forward, which is a shame because Jeff Petrie was a was a great Montreal Canadian. I really enjoyed the the time that he was here. Um, you know, legitimately one of the best defensemen on the Montreal Canadiens since he got here. Um, you know, there was last season. I I still think he was one of the best defensemen in the league. He kind of fell off the back half of the year, but um, some legitimately great play from Jeff Petrie. But anyway, I digress. the 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 Canadians at the end of this don't need to trade Jeff Petrie. They are doing so to facilitate a trade request from him. So if they don't get what they want, they're not going to move him. Um, and like I said, his contract is cheaper each year by half a million bucks than Ryan McDonough's. And he's only got three years left compared to McDonough's four years left. And I think the biggest part of this is that he's a right-handed defenseman and McDonough's a left-handed defenseman. Regardless of what you think of the position and what you think about handedness, Teams value right-hand shot defensemen a lot higher than they do left-handed shot defensemen. I don't understand why. Maybe it's just because they're harder to come by. I mean, you're looking at if you look at the Canadians' current depth chart, you can understand why they're hard to come by. There's not a ton of them on this team. Um, so you know, teams that are constantly looking for that top pair right defenseman, they're going to look around. They're going to see the lack of options on the trade market. They're going to see a lack of options on the free agent market, and they're going to turn and see Montreal trying to find value for Jeff Petrie and they'll probably they'll probably acquiesce and give Montreal what they need. Um I think the thing that's holding up the trade for Jeff Petrie is that teams that currently have right-hand shot defensemen and are going to potentially lose them at at free agency, I think they're waiting to see what happens with those guys. And the two teams that come to mind for me are Dallas with with John Klingberg and uh Pittsburgh with Chris Letang. I think both of those teams are waiting to see if they can get their guy to come back. I think Chris Letang is far more likely to re-sign in Pittsburgh than Klingberg is to re-sign in Dallas. And I think it's I think the team has been Dallas this whole time. We know that Jeff Petrie's wife is from Texas. It would just make a ton of sense if if he went there um, and played in John Klingberg's, Klingberg's role next to Mira Heiskinen or something along those lines. That trade makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just a, a matter of how much is Dallas willing to give up knowing that they're not bringing Klingberg back and what's the minimum Montreal is, is looking to um, take in exchange for Jeff Petrie. So, you know, I don't think it's that's going to be a draft day thing. I don't think it's going to be a day after the draft thing. I think that's something that we, we are just, we're waiting until free agency opens to check on. Um, you know, maybe Klingberg and, and Latang. Both go to market, they look around, they don't see a deal they want, they just go back home, and then you start to wonder, where is Jeff Petrie going? That's that's when, you know, if both of those guys sign, and and everybody has their top right-handed defenseman, and, you know, there just isn't a spot for him, there's no team desperate to get a right-hand shot defenseman of Jeff, Jeff Petrie's caliber, maybe then you're wondering, hmm, is there actually a market for this player? But I don't think the McDonough trade is any kind of canary in the in the coal mine for, for um, Jeff Petrie. So with that said, I think um, with that not very bold prediction, I have some bold ones. Um, they vary in boldness. Um, obviously, this first one might not seem very bold. I do think Montreal's taking right first overall.
what saying that it doesn't sound all that bold considering he was the consensus guy for the entire time. But it's become more bold in the sense that everybody seems to be flocking towards Slefkovsky, you know. Um, again, I'm not li- litigating that anymore. I, f- I find that th- this whole conversation about Slavkovsky very infuriating. Not to, to no expect. It's not the player's fault. It's these it's these media wings around him that are that are propping him up and that are just you. Instead of telling us what Slavkovsky does well, it's always just a shot at Shane Wright. Um. So. I do think that they're going to take Shane Wright. I do think that it's somewhat controversial in the sense that, like, a lot of people have Slavkovsky first on their board. A lot of people have Slavkovsky fourth on their board. You know, there are this this draft is anything but certain. Um, so, I I do think Montreal's taking Wright first overall. I do think Montreal is going to get another pick inside the top ten, and I do think they're going to try to grab one of those defensemen in Simon Nemitz or David Yurchek. I think they're both pipe dreams, but I do I, I legitimately think Montreal's trying to, to grab one of those. The the Canadians have a lot of good options for second pairing defensemen, like you know, in the future, like Harris, um, Barron, Norlander. Those guys are all like second pairing guys. You need a one. And th- these these two guys in Nemitz and Yurichek have the op- have the chance to be that one. To be their not to be Victor Hedman, but to be that equivalent for this team. To be the, the big-time minute eater further down the line. So I do think that the, the opportunity to draft one of those guys is is going to make Montreal really, really hungry to get inside that top 10 and even get back inside the top 5. I don't know how they pull it off, but I think, I think that that's something they're trying to do. Um, I'll go back to Josh Anderson. As I said, I don't think his value is going to be as high as it is at this draft. So if he's traded within the next year, it's going to be Thursday or Friday. Um, I think that, as I said earlier, that pick 13, well, who owns the 13th pick? The New York Islanders. And I, I've read that they're they're interested in him. I think there are a lot of teams calling about Josh Anderson. I think Josh Anderson's a perfect Lula Morello kind of player. The Islanders need goal scoring. They'll add 20, 25 goals in Josh Anderson. Um for a pick that they probably wouldn't use for the next three years anyway, whoever they selected at 13. So there's a real good chance that, that Anderson's value is just too high for, for Hughes to try to hold on to him any longer. And I, I, my bold, my, the bold prediction is that he's gone this year at the draft and Montreal uses him to get that second high draft pick that they want. Uh, another one, I do think Jake Allen has dealt like I said, I know the Canadians have said they don't want to trade him. They said that about Lekkanen. They said that about Kulak. They waited it out. They made the teams offer pieces that they wanted. Um, you know, I think once the dust settles after free agency, there's going to be a team or two without a goalie, and Montreal might just get an offer they can't say no to. I think that that's that's Kent Hughes's, uh, you know, negotiating strategy in in you know tearing down this team. I think if that's if 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 the goaltending market goes the way I think it does, I think they'll have really no choice. Someone's going to offer them something for Jake Allen, and if they don't, I'm happy to see Jake Allen back here next year. I'm not running him out of town. Um, I just think that his value might be much higher elsewhere than it is on Montreal, just given the fact that the Canadians are not going to be competing for for some time. 
And lastly, Montreal has 14 picks in this year's draft. I think they walk out of the Bell Center this year having selected 10 players. I don't think they're going to use every pick that they have. Um, I think they're going to take some chances and pair two picks together to move up in the draft, to pick someone else, to, to move up and pick a guy that they like, that they don't want to see slide anymore. Um, so they've got 14 picks. I think they make 10 of them. Um, and that's all I've got. About almost 40 minutes here. Um, thanks for listening. You won't get coverage of the draft from me right after it. I've got company this weekend, so I won't be able to record right away. But next week, look for a, a draft recap. I'll try to do some research on some of the players that the Canadians picked. Um, hopefully Shane Wright is a Canadian by then. Fingers crossed. I really, really hope that's the pick. I think that the the, the sky is too is too bright for that to, to not happen. Um, you know, the, the idea of, of having him and Suzuki in Montreal one and two for the next however long they're able to keep them is is too great of a of a vision to pass up on. But until that happens or doesn't happen, um, thanks for listening. You can find me on Twitter at maybe it's Ian at Rabbit Habs for the blog. Uh, the music you heard at the beginning of the show and are hearing right now is a track called Inside by Fred Mugg. Check the description for his link for a link to his Bandcamp page and check out the rest of his stuff, including a new album titled Multimedia. It's very good. I started listening to it this weekend. All right, guys. Enjoy the draft. Take care.